just an individual Living a miracle, standing divisible Connected to God and my physical Essence of my spiritual presence is visible Totally leaving you unaware of my mental subliminal Used to be a criminal, living so minimal But things have changed in my life is going through different intervals Finding that balance is significantly difficult Timing is everything, so my timing is critical Rhyming is literal, the unforgettable It's why you stand before you impeccably so presentable I give respect to you, know that I am respectable I've always wanted acceptance, is that acceptable? I give the rival expected to be exceptional And I'm a grown man, ain't no business like a professional I am incredible, Leo conventional And you stopping me from chasing my dreams is unprovoked Good evening, welcome to NC Raw. My name is Steve Steen, sitting here with the entire NC Raw crew back in the house. The amazing lion of recovery, Caleb McCoy. What's up, bro? What's up, man? How you doing? Doing great, Glad bro. Glad to be here. Yeah, awesome to see you. Yeah. The devil stomping ninja. Hardcore devil stomping ninja, <laughs> recovery champion. Get it right, bro. Recovery champion, <laughs> hardcore devil stomping ninja, Richie Tannerhill. What's oh, up, bro? Hey, man, you know, life is a little bit better than great, but I'm so committed. I'm going to hang in there until I do better. Welcome back. Yeah. We missed you. Yeah, it's good to be back. Yes, we did. Me and Caleb, you, you missed me? I did. I did you miss me? You, I, you know okay. I missed you. Air hug, bro. Air uh, hug. Uh, Courtney said if I get up, she's going to, like, Give me the people's elbow off the top rope, so <laughs> we're doing the air hug right now. Yeah, we held down the fort for you. Um, it's kind of hard to believe that this is our fourth episode, right? Uh, it started off kind of like as a dream, an idea, just kind of something that me and Caleb had an idea kind of put on paper, and here we are four episodes later. NC Raw kind of took life, so it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's amazing. I just want to share with everybody that dreams will remain just dreams unless you write them down, then they become goals, and you got to write down the steps to achieve to achieve those goals. So just be mindful of that. Yeah, I want to say that you know every great invention, every super powerful or super amazing thing that's ever been done by man first started off as an idea, as a thought, somewhere in somebody's head, somewhere in a land far, far away. And then that thought had to travel from that head to that heart. So it's CBA, man. The conceive is the thought. If you can get the idea, if you can conceive it, and then you can get that idea from your head to your heart and believe it, what's next? What's the A stand for? Action. Well, no. I was thinking achieve it. It rhymes much better <laughs> with conceive it, believe okay, well, it. It's hey, going to take I action, tried, baby, man. to achieve it. So, yeah, 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 you're feeling it. You're feeling it. Yeah, uh, so it hasn't been bad for kind of three cats, three cats in recovery with uh, an amazingly talented producer that can kind of put us together, make us sound good, and put on a good show for you guys. We got uh, some amazing stuff planned for tonight. We have another special guest in the house. I'd like to introduce my uh, amazing and beautiful girlfriend, Caitlin Ledford. She is uh, such inspiration to me and to everybody else she comes in contact with. Um, I think the reason she makes the impact she makes is because she, you know, um, she believes in the things that she's selling and people, you know, she commits herself to her recovery, and she's she's constantly pushing herself to become a better person day in and day out. And so that's that's why she's so awesome, and I just love her to death. And I'm glad that she's here, and um, 
to share some of her uh, lived experiences and her understanding that she's gained through that. So we're uh, blessed to have her here. Thanks for joining us, Caitlin. What's up, everybody? Oh, hashtag teardrop. (laughs) (laughs) I am so excited to be here tonight. There's so much talent, so many amazing people sitting at this table right now and behind me. (laughs) I am am so excited to be here. Truly blessed. You guys are doing amazing. So I wanted to ask you right off the get-go, what was it like? Because you were one of the first people to sit in and kind of observe us making the show last week. What was that experience like? Oh, it was awesome. I just love what you guys are doing. I love the atmosphere. I mean, surrounding yourself with positive people, positive connections. I mean, it's like, it's it's, it's funny because I talk to Caleb about it all the time. You know, um, it's like a high. I mean, really, um, just being around such great people, making those connections, being able to share and talk about, you know, things other than the things you talked about and your substance use. But it was awesome. I, I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Love it. <laughs> what uh, NC Raw style. It wouldn't be NC Raw if I didn't ask you, like, what could we do better? How could we improve the show after watching it from the outside? Oh, you need me <laughs> on the show. No. <laughs> we, we went out and did that. <laughs> no. Um, gosh. Um, I really... I love what you guys are doing. I can't really find too much. I mean, not anything that other than, you know, more variety, but yeah. I'm sure that's to come. So Thank you, Caitlin. <laughs> that's uh that's good to know. We're gonna continue to like grow the thing and evolve episode by episode. So you ready to get down and share with our listeners Let's what, do it. What your experience has been like from rec- in recovery? Let's do Definitely. it. Definitely. So you're a local, a local legend. I love it. Yes, I am. I guess we could just start. <laughs> if you only knew. You rolling with this? You roll with this guy. You're a local legend. Mm-hmm. Side wait, by side. Wait, wait, wait. It's the other way around. Oh, is it? Okay, okay. Oh. He's a local legend. <laughs> All right. Rolling with me. Hey, can we keep her? <laughs> That's up to him. Uh, yeah, we keep her. She's all right. <laughs> She's gonna have a. She's got a regular seat over there on that side of the table. I think. So let's just take start from the beginning. Like, what was it? What's it like growing up in Cherokee? Kind of. Um, I actually grew up pretty poor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the kid that was running around on the loop in Big Cove barefoot with leaves and twigs sticking out of my hair and everything, but um. Yeah, my mom and dad, they didn't make a whole lot of money whenever I was younger. But, I mean, we, we got by. It was, uh, I, I've never complained about my childhood. I mean, I've always had a close family. Um, we always, you know, would get together and have huge cookouts when my grandpa Bill Ledford was still alive. And uh, we were a pretty close-knit family. Um, I had a lot of cousins. We always you know, spent time together and whatnot. Um, What was, uh, what was early school life like? Um, I've always excelled in school. I always made really good grades. Um, Whenever I was in elementary school, I got put in Horizons, a gifted and talented program in the school. And, um, 
I'll just go ahead and share this. I remember when I was in the fourth grade, my cousin, Julian, he was graduating. And I went to his graduation, and I seen the girl that was uh, given – was it a – anyways, I seen the valedictorian speech being given. And I remember being in fourth grade, I was like, that's going to be me. I'm going to be standing on that stage, and I'm going to be giving that speech. And so I knew at a very young age that I needed to um, keep my grades up, you know, just be the good student, that I, the best student I could be. And I was. I, uh, I mean, all the way through middle school, high school, I always was on, like, the beta club, and I was class president. I was in HOSA. So, I mean, I was doing all kinds of things within my school to get where I needed to be. So you're the you're the brains of this operation. That's what, right. What saying. Yes. Man, do, do I you really have to ask that question? <laughs> <laughs> Is it not obvious? No. Okay. I'm just trying to make sure our listeners get the point. But we can't have brains and brawn. That's a man of skill yeah. sitting over there. Did you see that 51 mile race? I you did. know we're gonna the get there. Don't worry. We're gonna somewhere. get there. Do not worry. We will get there. So what? How old were you when you had that experience of like setting a goal of becoming valedictorian? Like, uh, I was in the fourth grade, so I was so like little, 10? little old red. <laughs> yeah. Looking up, listening to this speech, and you said, "I'm gonna be that girl." Yeah. I'm gonna get up there. Yep, that's exactly what what I did. Um, actually, they they give an award out at, um every year for like the what is it the the chiefs award or the um the tribal award you get for having good grades in school mm -hmm. and then the top person of that class they'll get the best all around and for years i used to have this girl she would always uh try to compete with me and she'd always tell me i'm gonna get that next year the best all around yeah. and she she never did every year i got it I mean, it just came. You're just adding trophies to the collection. Yes. So the what was it? crusher. <laughs> <laughs> so what Dude was it Acer. about this this person who is receiving this valedictorian? What 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 was it about them that you wanted to emulate in your life? Like, what did you see in them that? Uh, I just, I just seen how you know how emotional and how I heard the story and how you know everybody in the school was listening to that one person and i was like this person you know has has done something huge to be able to get in front of everybody and make this m you know a memorable speech and they had to work hard to get there you know it doesn't just come easy and um i just i knew i wanted to be that person but also at some point it sounds like you're somewhat of a natural as far as like with your yeah studies and yeah i was it, it <laughs> Go on to your own horn. I'm giving I mean, you the yeah. Come on. It did come natural, but at the same time, you know, I knew I had to, especially when I hit high school and stuff, I was like, that's when I, you know, first started, well, middle school, when I first started using substances. And I knew then, like, I really had to put that hard work and effort into achieving so, my goals. So growing up as a youngster, Dreaming of becoming a valedictorian. What was the uh, family life like? Oh, we like I said, we were we were close. Uh, my brother and sister they um, they were always smart, but uh, they're more into like they got the art, the artist, creative side, mm -hmm. and I I got the book smarts. Yeah. But uh, 
me and my sister, we shared a room forever. So we definitely, you know, become really close. I was always protective over my sister whenever we were younger. Um, my mom and dad, they, we were a very close-knit family up until uh, they, they got divorced whenever I was probably about nine or ten. And that was kind of tough for me, but, um, so would you say that was like your first, like initial kind of life smacked you in the face moment? Yeah, it got real then. Um, because you know, I, I seen it happen to other people, you know, other families and in the back of my mind, I'm always, I was always thinking like, that's not going to happen to my family. You know, we're, we're too, we're too close and, but it, but it did. So, people listening, you was you excelled in school. You know, you was uh, involved in all these extracurricular activities, and yet you fell by the you know you fell into addiction. What would you share? I mean, if you could share some wisdom from your own experiences, what would you say to those listening? How to best stay out of that? What would you I mean? What kind of tools would you use to? Uh, what am I trying to say here? What would have made it different? Yeah. What would have made your experience different? What, like during throughout the divorce, or, or just when you started using drugs? I mean, what would you have done differently? Instead of turning to the drugs, yeah. I mean, can, can you identify a time when you was like, "This is the key moment." Or was it was I mean, and we could give you examples. I mean, you thinking it's peer pressure, opportunity, curiosity, stress. What what do you think was the one thing that um, sort of um, caused you to to jump into that? And it sounds like that when you jumped, you like jumped with both feet. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, my the people I was hanging out with influenced me a lot. Um, the my best friend at the time her older she had a lot of older siblings so um i just thought at the time that was you know that was a cool thing to do and i wanted to fit in i mean a lot of times i i did you know i felt like well you know i'm i'm the book smart kind of goody two shoes girl that you know needs to keep her reputation good but at the same time i didn't want to be the cast you know like the cast mm. off nerd <laughs> yeah you know that um and i do a lot of work with young people in the middle school and the high school level and a, a lot of them that um you know have already started using the national average of first-time drug use is 11 years old um and today with our youth and teens the fear factor's gone so we have many um not so much 11 but 13 14 15 year olds starting off banging heroin shooting dope oh. at the gate i thought i was the only one that did that but my point is this um is that uh it, the your story um, is going to connect with so many people because that's mm -hmm. the number one reason why youth turn to drugs is to try to fit in. Mm -hmm. What they try to do is is, is go, and, and, and you know, and we all do sitting around this table, we go through life trying to fit in, right? Imagine if you could go back to that time and change this one thing and understand that you didn't have to go through life trying to fit in. If you knew right then that you already fit in, just the way you were so we spend time telling each other that we're amazing so reel it back to then your time of using substances and and picture that caitlin there if she knew she was valuable and she was amazing and that she already fit in do you think you would have still went down that path and how old were you at that time as well i was 12 years old whenever i first 
uh, yeah, experimented. Um, I would say, I would have, I would say to, if you know it's going to, I mean, because obviously we're taught, you know, that drugs are not, you're not supposed to do them. They're not good for you. And I did, whenever I started using, I, I, now being in recovery, like I've seen all the signs, I, I've, you know, isolated myself from, from other people, but at the same time, it, I just stayed around those people that were using. So, I mean, just knowing that, you know, knowing that I was, I did fit in, that I didn't have to do those types of things just to fit in with that certain crowd, like, there's other people there that have positive connections that I could have surrounded myself with. But at that time, you know, in my head was like, that's who I want to go hang out with. That's who I want to like me. Absolutely. So I, I want to piggyback that with one more question because it's just so appropriate to go right here. Um, we, you, I heard you say that we're taught that drugs are bad and not to go down that path. But we're taught that by adults. And by the time you're 12, you know everything. Adults don't know anything, yeah, right? So no just doubt. imagine if it was your peers walking alongside you saying, you know, hey, Caitlin, you're amazing. You're valuable. Man, you got a skill set. Come be a part of our group. We, we, we want to learn from you. You are so smart and, and beautiful and funny and all these things, all these great qualities that you have. If that what your peers were magnifying instead of, um, you know, like I said, the adults were dumb, right? Because by the time you hit 12, you already know everything, right? You know you did. And then for that's it's not our peers telling us that drugs are bad or that we shouldn't go down that path. It's the adults who it's like it's us against them, right? Mm -hmm. So what if it was your peers, the people at your own age group, the people at your own age level saying, you know, hey, you know, what are you doing? You don't have to go down that path, girl. This is where it's at. Yes, yes, that would be huge because you're right. I mean, anytime they had a speaker come in, it was an adult. Or anytime, you know, it was our teachers, it was our counselors, it was people that was older and were, like you said, oh, whatever, I know, I know everything. Um, I don't need to listen to that. Um, just to kind of elaborate a little bit more on, you know, how I wanted to fit in. Uh, uh, I used, to, this is really funny, actually. Uh, I used to compare myself to uh, – Lisa Simpson. <laughs> you went with a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, it's, it's, it's kind of, well, I mean, she's really smart. Thank you. And then my brother was in, was in the band. <laughs> so I looked up to my brother and I was like, well, I'm going to go in a band. So what's the instrument that I choose to play? <laughs> the saxophone. Of course. <laughs> and it's a very hard instrument to learn how to play. So I stayed in there for my first year and then I let, the peer pressure get to me and I heard other kids being made fun of like you know you're in band and every time I got asked that I was like why you know don't make fun of me I, I like it and and I quit I did that was one of the you know the few things that I did quit in school was band and mm -hmm. I let that get to me and um <laughs> so and then now that I'm older I play the banjo, you, you know. You knew where he was going with that, didn't you? <laughs> so it's like when, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, other people wish that they could do. Yeah. So now being older, I'm like, you know, dang, I could know how to play a saxophone if I just want to quit. Had but you, I let had you that. you stuck with it. Right. I let that that peer pressure get gotcha. to me. and mm. it's so, so if your peers would have been like, oh, my God, you're in band. You play the sax? How cool is that? Yes. Nice. <laughs> Well, <laughs> oh my God, you was in band? You played the sax? How cool was that? <laughs> <laughs> that's, 
Yes. Lisa I mean, Simpson, cool. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, she's just a little bit cooler than cool, yeah. which is what you've done. You went from cool with the sax to way cool way with cool. the banjo. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So Girl Scruggs. <laughs> Girl Scruggs. So much cooler than that. So you said it was around middle school. You kind of started getting into the wrong crowd and kind of hanging out in the wrong places, experimenting a little bit. What was, let's get into the progression. Like, what was the progression like from there? Wait, what do you mean? From that point, like what? When you were kind of experimenting with drugs a little bit at that time, and oh yeah, yeah. what was yeah. the progression like? Yeah, um, so yeah, I started out smoking marijuana, and then uh, built up to drinking, and I started working when I was fourteen years old um, at a restaurant, and I was around, I was surrounded by older people, and after work, that was the thing that they were doing was going and drinking a lot and so you know I was hanging out with the girls that I worked with and they're like come on let's go to this party so I just started going to parties with them all the time and like I said I was working making good money so I was able to afford to you know <laughs> pitch in and do whatever and it just it progressed from there um later on whenever <clears throat> uh when I was hitting high school is whenever I started using uh opiates and so using pain pills so um i was able to hide it i was able to um i told one of my other friends i was we would always smoke weed together and do pills and we're like well as long as we can do this and not let our grades start falling if our grades start falling then we know we gotta quit <laughs> and her grades started falling but she never quit but mine never did so i was like well i'm fine I'm still doing the things that I need to be doing. I mean, just I just justified it, made it a, a time mm. and time again. So, how old were you when you had your first run in with the law? Oh, just getting after it. <laughs> I was 14 years old. Uh, we were drinking, riding around Cherokee. There was a a rod run there, mm. and we were out drunk. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> egging cars. <laughs> Not just any cars either. Cop cars. <laughs> so, yeah, like we got, I got in a lot of trouble on that one. Um, they took us, it was me and my friend that was in school with me and her older friend. And we went to the store like a couple times that night, bought eggs like three times. So they called us in. And I had to call my mom at like four o'clock that morning and from the police station because where I was only 14 years old and Oh my goodness, my mom. <laughs> she, she was happy about that. I, I feared for my life. I almost told them to just take me off to jail. <laughs> yeah, she's she still scares me to this day sometimes. <laughs> I love my mom. I love you, mom. <laughs> I heard she's an amazing Now we woman. know. Don't make me call mama. No. <laughs> Do you use that one, Caleb? Don't make me call your mom. Yep, the medic. Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> works for the EMT in Cherokee. Nice. Well, you let your mom know that I appreciate the service. Thank you for uh, her doing what she does each day in and day out to make a positive difference in our community. Your mom's a rock star. Uh, you know, the... the Funny thing about it is, I mean, Divine Connections is she saved me uh, with two Narcan kits. Nice. And here we are. Here we are. Together. 
together, sharing the message. Does she ever give you the look like? <laughs> yeah Don't you yeah. make me Break out the Narcan She does <laughs> She does Yeah <laughs> Hey Don't you make her Break out the Narcan again Right <laughs> <laughs> You know you got A lot of people Looking at you You both do uh, You know I, one, one of the things That I really love About this story Is that um, You know As a partnership Which is what I see In you two That you're both out there It's like No shame we're going to do our part to bring this uh, rock star recovery message out of the darkness and into the light. And, uh, you know, it, it's one, when I think about growing up and we all have that um, sort of fairy tale love story that we dream about. Stop playing, guys. You know you had that story growing up. <laughs> Not like you didn't have that story. But, um, you know, when I, today in my life, uh, where I'm at, I, that's the fairy tale sort of story that i think about today you know me and my partner we're, we're both in recovery together and so to watch you two sort of and and, and a little bit you know younger not one or two years younger than me but one or w- two w- okay easy <laughs> yeah easy vato. um but but you think about the the younger generation that's out there you know uh, and so many times coming up in the rooms in different places of recovery you will hear people say you know oh you you can't get recovery together they're going to get you sick first you just can't do it and and i'm telling you today to um this is for all the naysayers you know choke on that one because these two right here they're doing it and i'm super Mm -hmm. proud of them absolutely i am just as proud thank you guys appreciate you so what happened next you had to run in with the law egg in the cop cars um you start. You had already started using. Did you have to wash any cop cars? Did you have to do that? No. No consequences. No. Oh man, not for that, that sucks. one. Um, that was the first time I ever really got in trouble, and uh, actually, that's the first time my mom tried to make me see a counselor, and so I kind of resented counselors because of that for for a long time. <laughs> Because I felt like I was forced to talk to somebody that I did not want to talk to. Because I knew it all, <laughs> I knew everything. And again, another adult telling yeah. you what and to an do. Adult, yeah, exactly. Well, okay. No worries there. You were definitely forced. You don't have to worry about. I think I was forced. That was, <laughs> that was definitely forced treatment. <laughs> um, I didn't ever really get in in trouble with the law again until later on in okay. age. Whenever I, it really like I was t- spiraling downward fast. Which so, is after I got out of high school. So you were progressing through high school. You were using, but you were still focused on grades. Right. Still doing all your work. Still doing all my work. Basi- hiding it, yeah. in a sense. Graduate at the top of the class. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. I used to hate people like that. It's like, really? You're making A's and you're doing all that? So to answer the initial statement that kind of started this conversation... Did you achieve your goal? Mm-hmm. Val- valedictorian? I did. Valedictorian, class of 09. I achieved that goal. Um, I got to give my speech, and uh, um, I did. I walked across that stage with my head held high. So did you feel any sort of like guilt or shame no. by hiding what you were doing? <laughs> Not at that point, That's I really didn't. Right but yeah. now... <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to say now that I hold guilt because, you know, I'm in a place where but I give that to God. At that time, when you're standing up on that podium, you got you got secrets, dirty no. secrets that you're hiding. 
That sounds awful for me to say uh, it, I mean, but it's, that's yeah. the truth. I, I don't think it does sound awful, <laughs> man, because you did the work to get there. Regardless yeah. of what yeah, you yeah. were putting I in did. your body, the choices that you were making, you only got there for one reason, because you fought for that. And so you know, I, I just want to uh, encourage you to, to remember that for what it is and to not hold any guilt or shame to that, because let me tell you something, just anybody doesn't get to do that. You earn that, so yeah. remember that. That's something to still be proud of today. You didn't tarnish the crown. You didn't do none of that. You earned what you got, and you have made the choice to do what you want with your life. And if somebody judges that, then what I encourage them to do is get in the mirror. Yep. Absolutely. That's something to be very proud mean? of. I mean, you did it. You yeah. Made it. So the people that's coming behind you, and they're like, well, she can use drugs and be valid. Then I can too. So no, that's, no, that's, not <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> so what do, what do you say to those those people yeah. that's sitting there thinking that? Because you know there's going to be. That's not the message that I'm trying to get across. I'm just sharing from my experience what I lived, you know, and what I went through. Um, I mean, I, what I got from using substances throughout my young age, my youth, was a very strained relationship with my mom. We didn't hardly, I mean, we didn't hardly talk. I, uh, there was a point at whenever I was in high school, me and my brother, we kind of lost our relationship. I mean, there, it came with some struggles you know, using and trying to hide all that. And, and I, I did have to put in a lot more work, you know, I, I had to, it's, it's not something that I would ever recommend for anybody. I mean, if, if you, not if, but there's just better ways. I mean, and, and, and what I got from all that was a very hard life after high school. It was, not I, I I dropped out of college I mean I didn't even finish my first semester because of my substance use I mean it it doesn't do anything but bring you a road of destruction and misery one that I became powerless over one that I had no control over I mean I worked my butt off through high school to achieve that goal but then there was that turning point where my goals didn't matter anymore only chasing that next fix Mm-hmm. it consumed my life so i would i mean don't get caught up in it don't get mixed up in it so that that's a good word right there and Caleb, that was a good catch too so thanks for grounding us yeah. back um because there's two different messages there w- one is uh you know be proud of what you've done you worked hard you worked your butt off for that so you get to own that and wear that um but at the same time that's what that's what sitting here in recovery is saying hey i made some mistakes yeah right and and uh, you know, one of the things that I get to do is travel across North Carolina and meet a lot of different people that are in recovery. And uh, one of the things that I hear a lot is, I wouldn't change anything, bro. It's what made me who I am today. Now, I'm not making fun <laughs> of that too bad because, I mean, I can appreciate that perspective. But as for me, that's not my truth, man. There's a whole lot of crap I'd change. If I had a time machine, so if you're out there listening and you got a time machine, you better quit holding out. I would track you down. <laughs> I need the time machine. You hear what I'm saying? So if you had a time machine and you could go back and change anything, one thing, do you know when you would go back to? Do you have that one thing you would ch- or would you change it? Would you go back? Would you go, no, bro, keep your time machine. Richie needs it. No, uh, I would. I would change. I mean, I'm glad 
that I get to share the message that I do today. I take pride in that. I'm, I'm very passionate about it because, I, you know, I want to help others. But at the same time, I mean, that it's been a hard, tough road. I mean, I've, I've it's put me in a place where I'm able to help others today. But also, it, I mean, I did have dreams and goals and ambitions that I, I wanted to, to carry out, and I, and I, and I couldn't. I didn't because of my drug use, because I, you know, was too busy wanting to fit in and then got to a point where I was, you know, powerless over it. Um, I mean, I wanted to go on and <laughs> I remember I was little, I told my mom one time, I want to be a paramedic like you because I, I did, I was in uh, HOSA and I did my health classes and I started some health classes up here at Western too and uh, I enjoyed it. You know, I'm very passionate about that. It, it just came natural to me. I, un I understood it. You know, some people can get in a history book, and it just comes natural. And uh, me, no, that's not my forte. I don't do history. But give me medical terminology, anything like that, I, I, it just clicks. And um, my mama told me, no, I don't want you to be a paramedic. Not saying that, you know, it's any less important than another job. She just said, you know, you're destined to be something more. And then I... I'd actually wanted to be like a, a surgeon's assistant or mm -hmm. something in that nature. And I mean, my, my drug, my substance use, yeah. you know, stopped me from doing that. So you came here to Western, didn't like, short lived. It's very short lived. Yeah. What happened next? Uh, I, um, I, yeah, I didn't even get to finish my first semester and I, I, what was the main reason it was short-lived why did you stop coming because i think it you know it's more it was more than just your substance use i think it maybe been because somebody you was with or uh yeah um i decided not to go to college too far from home because of a a guy that i had started dating um coming out of high school <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, it kept me from, I decided to commute from Turkey to here. And that's what I really got very heavy, heavier, heavier into my substance use. You and, guys uh, were, you guys were using together? Yeah. Okay. And, um, yeah, it got to a point where, um, I was work, I'd go to work at Granny's Kitchen and then now I'd get up. I'd get up in the mornings at like six o'clock. Fly over here, make it to class. I scheduled all my classes on purpose, back to back to back, so I could get done around lunch, make it to work by one thirty, and then work, make my tip money, to be able to get my substances to provide for both of us for that <laughs> night. For that night, and do it all over again the next day. And um, then it got to a point where I was. Didn't want to get out of bed. I was hurting. Didn't want to get out of bed and come to class. And I was just like, whatever. I'm done with it. Sorry. Um. <laughs> yeah, I I gave up that easily. Did you finish the semester? No. No. Okay. <laughs> no. I just want to share one of my favorite scriptures. First uh, Corinthians 15:33 says, "Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals." And so that's why you know I'm. I'm I'm all about surrounding yourself with eagles and, and people that, you know, build you up and positive uh, relationships in your life. I think that's very important, and I think that uh, has a lot to 
you know, has a lot to do with why you fell into deeper into your substance uses because of those, you know, not bad people, just bad choices that they was making. Right. So, I, so it I sounds agree. to me like you're saying, Caleb, that she needs to stick with you, brother. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Amen. I'm picking oh, up what you're putting that. down. Right. Are, you, are you picking up what he's putting down over there, Caitlin? I already picked okay. it up. Bam. Put it on my back. <laughs> yeah, and carried him through them 51 miles. That's well Point four. Point four, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, I carried him through all of it. All right, there you go. That's right. Um, you know they say behind every good man's a strong woman. Mm -hmm. That's what I heard. My, my, mine, right. Mine's four foot 11 and a half. The half's really important. <laughs> About like the four, point four. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so the time machine thing. I, I want to back up to that real yeah, quick, Steve. Yeah, yeah. Because what I heard, th and this is really important because it tag teams off of what Kalen was saying is, you know, hey, let's not get too um, uh, uh, off track and glorifying things that don't need to be glorified. So you here you have this dynamic, amazing, valedictorian just getting raw with us and sharing her life experience and saying, you know, I walked the stage, I, I achieved that goal. And then um, shortly after, because of the choices I was making, the things that I was putting in my body, my substance, my, I, I let my goals slip away. Um, you know, one thing is I want to encourage you to still continue to dream big. Set those goals and go get it because life is not over, sister. You're still doing it. You're hitting a stride right now. And, um, and I think the best is yet to come. Why we uh, sometimes get off on particular pathways in our journey is, is interesting. I've got a lot of questions for God. I'm going to tell you what. We're going to have a conversation. <laughs> but um, but w w like there are two specific instances in my life. If I had a time machine, I would go back and fix. I would go back to those particular days, and I would change those things. And particularly one, can I just tell you, one of the things I would fix is finishing high school. So you did that, and you didn't just finish it. Like, you finished it. You know what I'm saying? So that's pretty amazing. But is there, like, I just, I'm curious. I'm digging a little bit deeper. So is there that one thing, that one day, or, or, or just the one thing in general, that you'd say, you know what, I would go back to this time in my life, and I would fix that. That's the deal breaker or the deal maker that would have changed everything for me. For me, it would it would be when I, when I dropped out of college. Okay. Yeah. So, so staying here. Yeah, I, nice. I as soon as we were pulling up, I was like, oh Do you know where you're gosh, at right now, by I the way? Where are you at? Western Carolina University. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you are now, you have now become the educator. So you are right here actually teaching from the same college that you left. So now you're presenting information and, and opportunity to others from the very university that you stepped away from. So you're back. You're back. You hear me? You're back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm... I just my boss told me today, you know, he's all the time telling me you're brilliant, and that that's one thing that I would change is is me not to have dropped out. And I, I guess I, that's something I do want to share. If there are any young people listening, anybody really, um, you know, don't let a relationship drag you down. And I can't place all the blame on that because you know I I'm. I am me. I, I made those choices, everything, you know, choices and consequences. But at the same time, you know, I was I was in the state where oh, I'm in love. Um, I can't <laughs> I've got to do everything he wants me to do. And no, I mean, I was a very independent, confident woman whenever I was graduating high school. And I just kind of let all those dreams just slip away whenever being wrapped up in that constant chase of the high. So um, I, I 
I do recommend or encourage anyone, you know, if, if <laughs> I hear a lot of times, you know, like uh, people, well, they said that, uh, actually we had a, that girl, whatever you did your impact speech at the church, you know, she, she had came out and said, you know, she was quitting drinking and this was after the speech that we did and she was telling us that she wanted to quit or she'd quit drinking, but her boyfriend, and how old was she? She was young. Yeah. You know, you can be your biggest champion, and it sounds like you being your biggest champion is what got you through um, high school and, and finished with the valedictorian. And even in the midst of, of us being our biggest champion, we can also talk ourselves out of or into just about anything. Yes. And, no and my doubt. point is, right, right? No doubt. And so you, when you're with this this guy who uh, Caleb is now sitting with his arms crossed, he, <laughs> he, he said my next marathon is to go stop a mud hole in. Okay, I'll stop that there. But uh, <laughs> you're right. You see the look? His gr- eyes aren't green anymore. They're like red. It's like, okay, now there's the lion. I see it coming out. All right, back on track. So what I'm saying is in the midst of, of, of this uh, life that we have being our biggest champion, or our um, worst um, advocate, that self-talk is really important. And when you have people around you that are, um, you know, in the midst of uh, also making bad choices, we can keep each other sick. And we don't need much to talk ourselves into uh, a bad choice, especially when it comes to something like addiction. Look, and I know for you, there's got to be questions that you just can't answer. Even going back to this, I can see by the looks on your face and the way that you're sharing that this school, this education was really, really important to you. And part of you probably still don't know, why did I let it go? Well, I just want to say that you'll probably never have the answer to that question. That's okay. Because, you know, I know through my own recovery, and probably you, Steve, you kids too, there's like, why did I do that? Well, I can't figure that one out. Um, and, you know, I just don't, I just want to give you so much encouragement right now that you don't allow that why, uh, uh, why to be a showstopper. And I, I mean, I'm not saying that it is, but um, I hear you being accountable for your life's journey, which is cool. I think that's the first step in healing. Um, and so whatever it is from the past that holds us hostage or shackles us to that place that um, doesn't allow us to completely heal. And I think when healing happens in our life, that reaches us to a new pinnacle. You know, so, um, you know, hey, is, is school a deal breaker now? What's next for you? That's what I want to know. What's stopping you? Or what's stopping you? So we'll get there. I think we'll get there, right? Because that's coming. It's on the list, right? It's coming. She's already, we talked about it. You already went and... I've enrolled at yeah. Uh, yeah. SEC. Yeah. 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 I enrolled. I did my. I've just got to like get my transcripts and uh, finish my FAFSA and a few, just a few things I got to tie up. But I've already like they've already emailed the stuff, the so checkoff you're, list. So you're gonna be sitting I'm, next to me next semester, is what nice. you're saying? Yes. So the people can't see it, but can I see a quick ninja pose? Ninja pose. <laughs> Come on, yeah, right there, ninja style. That's a beautiful. I hope somebody got that on camera. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. So I think that's a good kind of stopping point for us to burn a timeout, take a break real quick. And when we come back, we're going to present the recovery story, the story of Caitlin's recovery. Ooh. Yes. To that's our listeners. Good stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to play a musical track that was submitted by a listener. Nice. If you happen to be a musician or you know any musicians that – are making recovery music or making music that promotes change and positivity, 
please submit them to us through our website. We're looking for we're looking to play your stuff. We're looking to recognize you. Anybody in our community that's nice. that's doing that. Dude, that's awesome. Um, they can be submitted to admin at ncraw.live. So here's a track from uh, another recovery rock star, one of my homeboys out of Asheville. Notes. Check it out. While I'm laying in the casket and my slideshow play My best friend gave a sermon, it was raining that day He always told me to chill hooks and make sure I pray So the service got a serving in my soul, I got a feeling So I floated to the section where the guests started mingling And I overheard it do say, I'm glad he stopped breathing So I stopped right there, cause I wanna know the reason He said, yeah, I knew hooks, him and my son, they were best friends Ride together, die together, that's how it's supposed to be he lived and my son died That's how that story ended And I'm supposed to cry at his funeral I'm not a friend Did someone say you ain't never meet the new hooks After that he turned from that life And he read books Every day he showed up at work And told a different story About his trials and tribulations His pain and God's glory The man who spoke He helped start my career I was shocked, I was surprised I was in tears, he was here And I wanted to tell his father That I tried to save his life But he died so I could live that night it was meant for me in the end what the people gonna say while i'm laying in my casket and the slideshow play it could be truth or a lie some smile some cry but i just want to know what they gonna say when i die in the end what the people gonna say while i'm laying in the casket and my slideshow play it could be truth or a lie some smile some cry but I just want to know what they going to say when I die. So I started looking for my kids, though, once in my life. And I saw them in the casket, dressed in all black. And my little girl asked your mommy, is daddy gone? Mommy say, no, baby, your daddy, he's right here. Every day you go to school, your daddy, he's right there. Every night when you're praying on your knees, he's right there. And I said, that's right, baby, you tell her who I am. Man, you tell her what I did, shit. You tell about a daddy who banged in the shed. And he leaned in the caddy, then he worked like a pappy so she can live happy. And then I saw my mama, Lord, I saw my mama. And at that very moment, I remembered all that drama, man. That life without a father. Now I'm looking at my daughter, then my daughter look at me like she can really see me. She smiled and I smiled. We got tears on my face. And she looked up and said, Your daddy, it's gonna be okay. In the end, what the people gonna say? While I'm laying in the casket and my slideshow play, it could be truth or a lie. Some smile, some cry, but I just wanna know what he's gonna say when I die. In the end, tell the truth, what the people gonna say? While I'm laying in the casket and my slideshow play, it could be truth or a lie. Some smile, some cry, but I just wanna know what they gonna say when I die. What they gonna say when I die? No, I mean, it could be truth or a lie. What they gonna say when I die? Welcome back to NC Raw. 
finishing our conversation with the lioness, Miss Caitlin Ledford. Hey guys. So when we left off, we were kind of talking about your journey to recovery. And we were talking about your experience at in college at WCU and where did the uh where did the road take you next? Um <clears throat> after after I quit coming to class, I it just spiraled out of control from there. I didn't have any goals or ambitions. Like I keep telling myself, oh, I'll go back to school. I'll go back to school later. Oh, I can do it next year. And I just kept putting it off and putting it off. And then um, from there, I, um, I'd work here and there, you know, to try to, to keep my uh, substance use going and it finally came to a point where um, I I decided that I would just start to uh, get my funds by selling. And from that, eventually I got caught many times. <laughs> it's not funny, but it, that's what happened. I ended up going in and out of jail. Um, each time I went to jail, you know, I'd... I'd have my mom there to support me, and she, she'd give me the lecture, and I'd always be like, well, I'll do good, I promise, if you just come get me. And I, I'd, I'd manipulate her. I did it many times, and just to be able to get out, and I'd, I'd take off every time. And how, many, how many times do you think you were arrested over that span of? Probably at least seven, eight, maybe ten times. For I mean, I was, there was a point whenever I wasn't uh, working, I was going and stealing from stores, uh, getting, you know, either trading or selling it, whatever, to get money to be able to go and get what I needed. So when you're in jail, you'd make these calls to your mom and plead whatever you needed to, to get out. Yeah. Every time I'd, <clears throat> I'd tell her what she wanted to hear. And um, if I didn't have the money, you know, I'd call my dad and I would be like, you know, just come co-sign for me. I had a, <clears throat> I had a bondsman that would, uh, you know, work with me with my per cap and I always made sure to pay her. So she, I just needed a co-signer. So if my, my mom eventually got to the point where she was like, you know, no, I'm not doing it. You're going to sit in there. You need to, at least I know when you're in there, I know you're being fed, you're clothed, you're safe. I don't have to worry about you. So I turned to calling my dad or, my grandparents and whoever I could get to come and get me. And then eventually, you know, my mom put a stop to that. <laughs> and uh, So going in and out of jail all these times, is, did you ever experience, like, fear of consequences or think that you might be going down the road for a while? Yeah, definitely. I I knew, but it didn't matter. I mean, the the want the the need of wanting to get out and go get high again uh, it it made me just not care i didn't care um i'd get out and do the same thing over and over again it just and i kind of was just in this attitude where i was like well i already got i'm already in trouble so i'm just gonna run i'm gonna run as far away i'm gonna hide you know that i'll hide as long as i can and 
whatever, just whenever I have to face the consequences, that's what I'm going to have to do. And it just, with the court systems, they kept putting it off. I always had these long time frames in between where I just, it would get worse. Charges would build up. So what do you say to the parents that's listening that um, their kids are calling them saying, get me out of jail? What, what, what kind of advice would you give to them uh, as far as setting those boundaries? I would tell them to support them, to love them, to encourage them, you know, because it doesn't matter, you know, how many times you say it, you never know when it could click. Um, but at the same time, set those boundaries you know set those boundaries to say i'm not going to enable you i mean because at the same time you got to take self-care for yourself but i think you know being showing that love and that compassion is is huge it's vital it's i mean we we got to have that to be able to move forward if we're gonna you know try to fight this so I'll pose this question to both Caitlin and you, Richie, is how do you set those boundaries? You get that phone call from wherever, and they're pleading and begging for help. How do you offer that compassion? How do you offer that love while still maintaining that integrity? And So I'll jump in here real quick because I, w- I want to know, um, and you can be thinking about this as a double question with what he asked. Is there a set amount of time? So as a parent, do I say, you got one get-out-of-jail-free card, bro, and that's it? Or is it two, or is it none? How? how, how because I'm going to tell you, I, I'm a parent, and um, there's something about those kids that is like the sad puppy dog eyes. It's like, but I love you, daddy. And it's like, okay, you win. You love me. You got it. You, you got it figured out now. I'm going through it right now with my 16-year-old. Listen, it is not... Uh, drugs, I don't think. Gavin, it better not be. I will fire down on you, boy. Ninja style. Um, but it, it's, it's other things in life. It, it's responsibilities. It's chores. It's, um, you know, so many things that, that I think he's getting. It's like, he's 16. We're just now starting to be friends again. We went through a time, you know. And so I know as a parent, we want to be there for our kids. And, and when you have your valedictorian daughter looking at you crying. And, and, and you know what? This is the thing that I know. In your heart, I know when you said, Mom, I'm done, that you meant it. You meant it at that moment. Because I can tell you from my own experience, all the times when I meant it, I meant it that that I was going to shape up. I meant it that I was going to do better. And I didn't have no support. So what I'm saying is that when we say that we're going to do better, we're we're meaning it. You meant it. So as a parent, how do I interpret that? This is what I want to say. Moms, dads out there, you're amazing. And I want to tell you that your kids are lucky to have you. Because as a young man growing up who didn't have a mom or dad to be there really for him in that way, um, they're lucky to have you. But but listen, they're only going to have you if they're alive. And today, with the things that are out there, with the things that they're mixing, it's like shooting dice. It's rolling craps. We don't know what's in those drugs. And we're in the middle of what has been deemed the opioid epidemic. Can I, can I just say the opioid epidemic is getting all this attention? But it's not the first thing to sweep our nation. Can I tell you that in the 80s, the same thing happened when crack co- cocaine nearly wiped out our African-American populations largely because it swept through the projects and crushed people, man. Those things are still happening. It's still out there. And, and there's already one on the fringe now. It is called synthetic drugs. 
that's what's killing people now. Heroin, opioid pills, these things. Yeah, it's, it's a real deal. But if we don't set our mindset to creating these recovery communities and understand that after the opioid dipping, it's going to be something new. So jumping back to your question, Steve, how do I tell a parent what to do or what not to do? All I can tell you is this right here. There are no hopeless cases. Never give up. Never give up on your child. And sometimes you may have to never give up on them while they're in jail. Because if you're doing more for them than they're doing for themselves, that's when you cross the boundary. So just ask yourself, mom and dad, am I working harder for little Richie or little Caitlin than what little Richie or little Caitlin's working for themselves? If your answer to that is yes, then again, if I was law enforcement, I would call that a clue. It's time for them to do something for themselves. So at that point, when you're getting them out of jail and out of jail, you know, I'll I, I tell you, when, when my son calls me, and I pray he never does, but if he ever called me from jail, I would probably come get him once after he spent like two weeks, <laughs> maybe three. <laughs> well, 30 days. But then after that, the next one's on him, bro. So what what, what would you say? Um, I, I agree with everything that you just said. I know for me, <clears throat> jail is a huge factor in my recovery. It saved my life. Not the first few times, no, because I, I jumped out and I went right back to it. But finally, it clicked <clears throat> while I was in jail. And um, I mean, my mom, I know that, like I said, she went to my grandma and told my my because my grandma did <laughs> She did not want me sitting in jail, <clears throat> and I knew that. And me being where I was at, I knew that I could take advantage of that. So so you knew you were taking advantage of it, though. Like Richie just alluded, it wasn't an honest, I'm ready to change. It was, I know that she'll get me out, and, yeah, I, well, and it, I don't have to change. At, at points, yes. Mm -hmm. That was a, like a way earlier. Early but then on, later yeah. on, you know, I, I did. I, I, I mean, there was times whenever I'd be, you know, sitting in there for a few months, and I'd, I'd tell my mom, you know, I'd, that was the only person I had. You know, all my friends, my so-called friends that I had, none of them were there. It was always my mom and my dad and my family. And, you know, I finally got that clear mind and I was like, yes, I, I do want this. I do. And I meant that, like Richie said. But I, getting out and not surrounding myself with the people I needed to surround myself with um, <clears throat> led me right back to the same place. So, I mean, f for the parents, like like I said, I mean, you've, you've got to have boundaries. You, um, But at the same time, you know, just don't don't lose hope. Don't give up. My mom, she never gave up on me. I know that. She she stuck by me through through some really tough times and I mean, <clears throat> she's seen a lot, but she never gave up. I mean, she she stayed right there. She showed me some tough love. <laughs> but I mean, I can't blame her for that. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be a tough balance to try to figure that out. I don't I don't even know. Wouldn't even know where to start with that. Well, she, you're lucky to have mom. Can I just oh, tell yeah. you that? You know that. But And also on top of that, the world is lucky to have you. You hear what I'm saying? Thank you, Richie. <laughs> Why are you looking at me? Because <laughs> you're supposed to come back with something right there, bro. You're she, like, yeah. And so is Caleb, baby. So I'm lucky is to have Caleb, you. yes. Okay, My line is. <laughs> so you got out of jail and. <laughs> so you got out of jail and you. Tell me about the what happened next with the car accident. Oh yeah, yeah there um, we go. There we go. <clears throat> so yes, there was a a point in time when I I got out of jail, and I 
every time I went back to using, I, I would separate myself from my family. I, there was probably one time I didn't call my mom for like eight, nine months. She didn't hear from me because, you know, I wasn't going to ask her for anything. I wasn't going to, you know, burden her with that. So I just stayed to myself. And, uh, so, and you were still selling drugs at that time. Yeah. Or, okay. And that, that just stems from you not that shame and guilt, and you not believing that you was valuable because of the things that you was the choices that you were yeah, making. Yeah, I was so disappointed. There wasn't. I mean, I told my mom I'd made those promises. I, I told her I was gonna, you know, get back on the right track, and I and I, I was too ashamed and too disappointed to go 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 around. And um, there was a point in time whenever I was heavily in my substance use and um this was january uh 20 26 two years ago i um was speeding around winter time it had just snowed and i hit a patch of uh, black ice and it slung me straight into a tree and when i hit that tree i placed a lot of weight on my weight on the left side of my body and where i did that i broke the left side of my back, my left side of my hip, and both the bones in my lower leg. And, I mean, literally, it was my leg was hanging there. And I had warrants at the time, like I said. So you were, I, you were bracing for impact. Yeah. I, you saw it coming. I, it happened slow motion. Yeah. And I, you know, raised my arm up and placed all that weight on one side, kind of turned my body a little bit, but had my foot firm on the on the floorboard and when I when it made that impact it just like jarred my whole left side of my body and I had warrants at the time so I um like I said I'd get out of jail probably on probate or something and be running from other charges and so in my mind I was like I've got to get I've got to get away from this the ambulance is going to show up Cops are going to show up. They're going to know that I'm high. They're going to know I'm using drugs. They're going to run my name. I've got to get away. And somebody had stopped, and I asked her, I was like, will you please help me get away? Take me to my, my friends. And uh, she did. There's a girl that I knew. She actually would buy drugs from me. And literally when I was trying to step out of the car, like I had to lift my leg. And when I did that, it just like flopped forward, was hanging there. So she drug me, helped drag me to her vehicle, to her van. And she, we left. I just left the scene of the accident and uh, went to my friends and, you know, told them, I was like, we got to go, we got to go. And they get in and they're like, where are we going? And I was like, I don't know, but we're getting away from here. <laughs> and and you're, you're, the bones were sticking out of your leg. Yeah. They were sticking. I have a big scar on my leg where it was coming out of my my leg. But anyways, um, and that's why she's the lioness. <laughs> <laughs> With pain comes strength. <laughs> um, so then my friend was like, "I'm taking you to the hospital," and this happened in Cherokee. Okay. So I was like, "Well." If we're going to the hospital, we're going to Georgia. And I'm sure, we're, like, the, by this time, the police are, like, investigating the scene, and they know it's your oh, car. Oh, I'm sure. It yeah. wasn't even my car. No, okay. <laughs> so, was you driving? Yeah, I was driving. I was by myself. There was nobody else with me. But, um... 
So your your bright idea was to go to Georgia to go to the That hospital. was my bright idea. That okay. was my best thinking uh-huh. was to go to Georgia. And with bones sticking out of my legs. With bones sticking out of my <laughs> legs and, and, and my leg. I mean, literally, I had my leg gripped with both my hands, holding it as tight as I could to try it. Because every time we went over a bump or yeah. anything, I could just feel everything grinding. So your radio leg. name is now Bone. Bones. <laughs> bones. Yeah. <laughs> It's a blessing that you're even able to. It really is. Yeah. It wow. is. I mean, let alone run ten miles a me on the beach. Oh, my mom. She she's a paramedic. <laughs> yeah. That was another thought going through my like, what if my mom is on working tonight and on that ambulance? Like, yeah. I've got to get out. And she was. She was very upset with me. Um, number one for for being in the wreck. Number two for moving myself from mm-hmm. the scene. I mean, I had. I could have. She clearly know, understands the severity of your injury. Right. And so we finally get to the, well, I. What, y'all drove down to Clayton? Georgia, no, we, we drove to Silva. He, my okay. friend was finally like, I'm not taking you anywhere but the hospital. I'll take you to Silva, but we're not going any further than okay. that. So I was like, all right, whatever. If I go to jail, I guess I'm going to jail. <laughs> so we get there and they cut off my pants and um, they s- tell me that they're going to have to do emergency surgery. So they take me to Asheville, and by that time, I'm by myself. Friends. Friends, mm-hmm. Janet, uh, told me to call them, let them know what's going on, but I was like, I was out of like it. Like Richie always says, I got your back, bro. Yeah, yeah, they meant way back. Look, look, they're <laughs> not coming like back. Can I just tell you they're back. not coming back? <laughs> so uh, so what's the deal with the pain? You had your own pain medication, right? Is that what it was, that you wasn't feeling the pain? I think I was in shock, shock more than anything. The adrenaline, I was in shock. I I mean, I I was in pain. Don't let me sit here and act like I wasn't. Um, but where I was in shock, I wasn't really like, I don't know. It was just. You wasn't in enough pain to go to jail. That's right. <laughs> I hear you, sister. And that's Jail's the power painful. of addiction. That's the yeah, power of addiction yeah, right there. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the suckiness of jail. You're right. And then, you know, going into jail, sitting there with that. That with a broken leg, I, that's definitely not something I wanted to do, but I did anyways. So, um, went to um, mission in Asheville, in Asheville by myself. Where they did emergency surgery that morning about nine o'clock, or no, I might have been no, it was at nine. Come out of surgery, and I remember waking up probably about seven that evening, and that's whenever I like I look down and I'm in, they have a one of those. Uh, back braces that goes all the way around you it's like a I caught it a turtle shell it was like a hard plastic thing that velcroed on I was in that and I was like whoa what did I do you know and my leg it was hanging up and of course I seen the staples and all the stitches and stuff and then the doctor come in and told me that they had to put a metal rod into my leg they had to go through my knee put screws and a rod in and they asked me you know if I could all right, then I asked to use the phone, and I called my mom, and I told my my mom told me when she got there that you know that I was so incoherent in the mess that she could barely understand me, and she, all she heard was Mission Hospital. So she told my sister to call up there, and they found out that I was the one there. So of course they come showing up, and the people, my family, were the first ones to show up, and. Of course, you know, tears were shed. My mom was upset because she's, you know, I, I, like you said, I could have died in that car wreck. 
and at the time, you know, it didn't really, I didn't really think about it like that. I was just, but I'm truly blessed to be here. I know that. Um, I ended up going to a state admission for three days. Oh, this is another thing. Like, I remember one of the nurses crying because I would wake up and be in so much pain and they couldn't give me anything because they knew that I was high, knew I was on drugs, but they didn't know how much I had done. So they, you know, didn't want to risk overdosing me. Sure. So they couldn't regulate my pain. And I could see, like, that nurse, she felt for me. <laughs> but um, Was it Zena, the princess warrior, your nurse? Yes, that was, was that was her name. Yeah, I thought it was. <laughs> no, no, this is a serious. Never mind. This is a serious question, though. I'm serious because she works there. Oh, okay. No, no. I, I t Richie, okay. I'm so out of it. I, I really don't. So know. throughout that entire process, did the thought of recovery or changing the way you lived your life yeah. even cross your mind? It, was it, it something you pursued? It did. Um, actually. One of my friends that came to see me, she was, I can't remember if she was still in a rehab over there or what was going on, but, or she was just living over there, but Samantha Bradley. Okay. <laughs> she was one of the few people that. For those that don't know, our guest from last, last yeah, week. Yeah, the last, last two, episode. yeah. Okay. She came and seen me and talked to me about, you know, she told me how, how it was for her in recovery and that got the wheel spinning and then. Two more friends came to see me <clears throat> while I was in the hospital and while I was in the rehabilitation center, and uh, they both were also in rehab okay. out there somewhere close to where I was at. And they seen on Facebook that I was in a wreck, and they came out to check on me. Mm -hmm. None of my using buddies came. Sure. <laughs> so this was recovery friends to the rescue, not not yeah. not still um, uh, you know act actively out there. Um, you know, using, right. but these were people that were in recovery and were able to see with clarity that there was one of their sisters laid up over there in the hospital with some pretty serious injuries, and they wanted to come share the recovery message with you. Right. Yes. Yeah. And that, yeah, I mean, that's actually something we've been talking about doing is going to the hospitals once a week to talk to people. But, uh, yeah, so they're the only people that came and see me other than my family, and I so they your family too your recovery family oh yeah right? definitely nice. yes yes um they're amazing people I know that um unfortunately did I stick to it no yeah. I didn't um they gave me a prescription of pain pills sure. my favorite <laughs> so um yeah I stayed at home May not like not even twenty four hours in a turtle after, shell. In a turtle shell. Full cast on left your left the rehabilitation center early. They wanted to keep me longer, but as soon as I learned how to move up the stairs going backwards with a walker, I was like, I'm out of here because I couldn't place any weight on the left side. So is it safe to say the reason you're so successful now in recovery <clears throat> is because you plug that same mentality of you know, I want to do whatever it takes to succeed and to thrive in this lifestyle, just like you did when you was using. Definitely, yes. I I went hard. I went hard, and I am. I'm very passionate, and that's a huge reason why I I I strive to do the things that I'm doing today. Um, being able to see 
the other amazing people and what they're doing in, in recovery, I mean, it, it just it pushes me that much more. So you got out of the hospital. You hit the streets 24 hours later. Yeah. Uh, ended up going to prison for so some. Had, for, for the previous. For forms? selling. Yeah, for selling. And uh, went to prison uh, like six months after that. So Raleigh, I still. In Raleigh? Huh? In Raleigh? Yeah, in Raleigh. Okay. Um, well, then I went to Swannanoa. But I, that was like mandatory. I had to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, then after that, I. When I got out, <clears throat> so you did your time there. I did my time there. Mm-hmm. When I got out, I went again back out after two days from being back home. Went around the same friends that on, I had been were hanging you on probation out with. or parole. Or yeah, I was on parole. Okay. Parole and uh, went around my same friends and wasn't even out a week and a half and got arrested again for old charges for Cherokee. And that time that was also uh, for selling so I had to do mandatory jail time in there and that's whenever you know I was like I'm done I'm sick of it I've had enough I'd had enough so what steps did you so you were locked up in prison for the second time around and you decided so the first time? Yeah, first time. I went You're to prison. But I went out of prison long, and I went back, and back. then I went to jail, yeah, to in jail. Turkey. So you were in jail once again, and you decided that you had had enough. Yeah, I pretty much was in jail for, like, the whole past year. So what s- initial steps did you take? Um, <clears throat> instead of calling my my using buddies – like I always had, like I did the whole time I was in prison, any of that. I just stuck with calling my mom and one friend in particular, her name's Natasha Janaleska, um, she made a huge impact on me while I was in jail the last time. Um, we both had got arrested together that time and they put her in drug court and she got out and was she did well i mean every time i talked to her she, she wrote me she couldn't come and see me but um every time i talked to her she was going to a meeting or she was telling me you know the things that she was doing in recovery the job that she was working at and and that to me stood out that to me i was like i i want that you know i can do that i can do that right exactly if she can do that why can i do that i i can do that and you are doing i that. am doing it <laughs> I am doing it. Lioness style, I might add. There you go. So what did you take any action while you're in jail? Like did they offer meetings or did you Um they had Bible yeah. study? Like what was what did recovery look like while you're in there? Like your first taste of it? I never really got into the Bible studies, mm-hmm. but um yeah, they did have classes um once a week that I went to. So I did get into the uh the book that they had. Um but really honestly <clears throat> I just had it in my head that I was done. I was going to get out. I was going to do well and the day before I was getting out, um one of the detention officers. Oh, there's actually I will I want to shout out to Ian Myers. He's was a huge help to me. Uh, Ian Myers, a detention officer at Cherokee Jail. He um, 
he was all the time telling me, you know, you, I know, I know where he came from. I've seen, you know, you, I knew, I know you graduated. I know you're a good person. I know you can do this. You know, you, I have faith in you. And he told me this all the time on his shift. And that really stood out to me, you know, like he got the wheels like, I can do this. I don't have to go back to that lifestyle. Now there's another guard the day before I was getting out, told me, you know, I'll see you in two weeks. Yeah. Which, I mean, there's... But which one stuck with you? Both. Both. Both, yeah. yeah. That kind of, you know, so lit, you didn't lit throw the fire. The guard, right? <laughs> no. And it sounds to me like you found a recovery ally within Ian. Yeah. So shout out to the allies out there, whether you're law enforcement, whether you're uh, detention officers or community citizens or Courtney Steelwaltz or whoever you are. I want to give at this point a shout out to our allies um, yes. because you, you just know that your voice has power. And so I'm glad that what I hear you saying is the voice of the ally, even though the other one stuck with you, was just a little bit louder. Yeah. Let me ask you this without getting too, I'm going to jump ahead, but without getting going to, into too much detail. Have you seen him around Cherokee oh, yeah. since you've been out? Oh, yeah. I tell him all the time. Uh, I've actually had dinner at his house. With it's him beautiful, and his, his girlfriend, yeah. And, I mean, he really is a good person, and he he truly did help me to believe in myself again. And that's that love and compassion. That's what changes the world, you know. And uh, I think that detention officers, police officers in general, uh, have, have a huge opportunity to help change this culture by, by, you know, approaching people the right way, meeting them where they're at, and say, I believe in you. Because, uh, you know, the people that's struggling and going in and out of jail, that's all they ever know is I'm going to be back because that's all they ever hear. So by him saying that to you, obviously, you know, it made a huge impact with you, and and, and I'm I'm thankful for that. You're going to see that grow too, man. Mm-hmm. You, you are. And let me tell you right now, Steve, that what you got going on is um, more law enforcement-assisted diversion programs out there. So I want to give a, a shout-out, hashtag, uh, Waynesville Police Department for implementing the first ever in this country uh, lead law enforcement-assisted diversion uh, in a rural community. There's some other programs out there, but they're the first ever in the rural community, and this is because we have law enforcement allies. So shout-out. Also, shout-out uh, NC Harm Reduction Coalition for leading the charge on this. Um, they're certainly a part of that. They've done great work all over the country. I, I remember when NC Harm Reduction came to North Carolina, and I first met Robert Child a few years back. It was like one man and a mission and a couple of volunteers. And now they're across the state doing, doing some great work. Um, and, and I just want to tie this into your story because what you were saying, Caleb, is important. Many people have and will continue to go farther than they ever thought they could or dream they could because somebody else thought they could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the law enforcement officers are like the first one on the scene, the first one to touch you when yeah. you're when you're vulnerable. That's right. Oftentimes. Hey, we've got them. They're administering Narcan, y'all. We got yeah. law enforcement that are carrying Narcan, which is an opioid reversal. It, it blocks the receptors in your brain that receive the opioids and tells you to come back alive. And you're like, I am not happy about this, but I am alive. <laughs> and so we got the law enforcement administering that. You know, a Cape, Caleb's one that's been brought back a couple of times with Narcan. Um, you know, uh, early Three. in my uh, addiction, I was hit with Narcan. I didn't even know what it was. We didn't even know it was called Narcan then. We just called it was, wake this dude up, he's dying. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, and, and you know what? I'm glad that you brought him up because... It made an impression, and it still has today. And so, you know, uh, and that's what you're doing right now, Caitlin. 
through your words, you're reaching out and you're making impression on other young ladies that are out there struggling um, or other young people or other people uh, in general because, you know, four people a day just in our state is too many. It's like 170-something people a day across this nation we lose to addiction, to overdose, a preventable death. Can I tell you, the number one cause for accidental death in this nation is overdose. And um, it's because other people never found their hope. They didn't find it. They didn't have the, their, their Caitlin story, their, their, um, their uh, uh, um, Ian to reach Ian, out to yeah. him or the amazing Caleb to come walk alongside <laughs> him. Um, and, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. I, I believe that's why you're speaking out Definitely. and sharing your story, Absolutely. Caitlin, because can you imagine if it was any other thing than addiction, imagine if we had 174 black bears rolling up on Main Street down here, kicking over dead every day. The entire nation would be outraged. What if down there at your run, down there at the beach, man, you had 174 <laughs> porpoises washing up on the beach? Bro, we would have people coming out of the woodwork yeah. to stand and protest. Can I tell you, our people are not any less important? That's right. So you got out of jail. Started recovery back in your stomping grounds, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, went back to my mom's. Um, she's always given me that support. You know, I've always had a home there. I just, you know, didn't want to go back home when I was using. Um, but I went home. I was on house arrest. And it was funny because the, uh, the PO putting my bracelet on, he was like, now, before I put this bracelet on, are we going to for real do this this time? <laughs> so I was like, of course, I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Put it on. Because he, he told me, he's like, I don't want to waste my time. And I was like, let's do it. Went home. Uh, my friend Natasha and my friend Rachel Taylor, they both, um, they'd come up and see me. Because I couldn't leave the house for 24 hours a day. Like, if I wanted food, my mom would have to bring it home if she wasn't going to cook at home. Room uh, service. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so how long did that last? You couldn't leave the house, so you couldn't. About a month. You couldn't hit meetings. You had to do a little bit of. Right. Good I couldn't time do first. anything. I learned yeah. how to play a banjo with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I did. Still um, playing the banjo. Day one of recovery. Learn hands. how to play the banjo. Yeah. I mean, I I did really. Uh, I'd come up. I'd be like, check it out. Start peeking it for them, and they'd be laughing well, at what's me. What's it sound like when you play the banjo? Give me a tune. <laughs> Come on, get stuff the cuff. You can hey, do it. No, You're lying. Girl, we're, we're gonna hold it for another episode. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm gonna word. have her bring it. Bring a not even a teaser. Like <laughs> you did it well. Come on, <laughs> you've heard me play Just before. Like I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, they would come up and see me because uh, they she knew she knew like I I needed that support. So again, your recovery peeps. Yeah. They, they, they met through. you where you were at yes because you couldn't leave the house when you were locked up they were there for you yeah when you were locked up writing you letters calling and talking to them every day when you got out you're on house arrest they came to you met you where you're at supported yeah. you i i told tasha i was like i need you you know i i can do this but i i need you i need you there i need your help and she's like you got it as long as you know you're gonna put in the work I, i'm there and she was and uh Finally, because I kept asking my PO, I was like, so when when can I get a job? Or when can I, you know, when can I? And she's like, you know, build that trust. Let's make that connection, build that trust. And when you show me that you're, you're really committed to what you're doing, 
I'll work with you. I will go to the judge and ask if you can get a job because it was supposed to be six months. Don't leave the house. Nothing. And finally, after about a month, um, she said I could start going to meetings as long as, you know, I told her where I was going and everything. And when I got home, it, she was fine with it. Um, yeah. No, no, I, I, I was just going to I was doing the hand signal thing, uh, but I want to put a plug there. One of the things that gets um, attention is data and dollars. And because you're working on your relationship with the PO, do you think, and for others that may not know this, could it have been helpful if you'd went to your PO and said, look, PO person, dude, lady, whoever it was, did you know that the number one contributing factor to sustained recovery is employment? Do you think that would have helped you get employment sooner? Now, look, it's recovery. It's like, I need employment. And it's not like saying that you have to have a job to, to be in recovery. We're saying that because employment provides an income. It provides meaning and purpose. It provides something to do with your time. And, and being able to have that type of dialogue with people like POs, I think, can be really effective and important. And so, so knowing what you know now and going back, uh, to be able to communicate that with your PO, you you, and, uh, you done a, a month really, you killed it. I'm just saying, <laughs> but uh, for those that may not have that type of relationship, putting that type of information in their in in their um, hands or in their arsenal can be really powerful when it comes to communicating a language that your PO may not get. They get data, they get dollars, they want you to be successful no matter what we may think about them. And when you're telling them something like that, it's like look, look, bro, I get the whole PO thing. But, uh, you know, did you know that employment is the number one contributing factor to sustained recovery? So for those of you out there who didn't know that, number one, number two is housing, permanent safe housing. It sounds like you had that one in control with room service, I might add. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Shout out, Mom. This is, I totally agree, yeah. Um, because, some, you know, early in recovery, having that, that idle time on your hands could, could be, I mean, for some people, very dangerous. I mean, Did you ever think about leaving? Um, no, Rizzy? no, I, I, I <laughs> mean, Raw. did I want to leave? Yes. But yeah. I mean, Richie, there was so many times whenever I would try to, I would manip I'd be like, mm. call my friends up, just bring I it up you. here to the house. My mom's working, you know, whatever. But it was just, this time, time was different. Yeah. Good for you. I'm proud of you. Has anyone told you today you're amazing? Yes, they have Caleb. Good job, <laughs> Caleb McCoy. And my boss, Kurt. Today. Shout out, Kurt. Hashtag boss. <laughs> he is amazing. That's another huge part of my recovery. Uh, I, I did get to start working, and I work at a uh, recovery-based, um, it's a contract through the tribe. Uh, What's it called? Mothertown Healing Project through Tarot. Oh, my. They just formed a partnership with ACC. So yeah. you went back into work, into the recovery movement, like that quick? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my hero. He actually, Kurt, he... Um, this is his baby. It took him like four years to get it started, he said. But uh, he, with Tarot, that's the Tribal Rights Employment Office, They, you can put your name into a job bank, and anybody that's hiring can call Tarot and say, you know, I've got this job position. Can you give me somebody? And they'll pull names from the job bank. We're like, call them up and get them hooked up with a job. Well, so he said so many times he's seen individuals, you know, just coming into recovery, trying to get a job because they need a sense of purpose and people would see their background and be like no you know we need somebody else and automatically turn them away and then they'd go right back out mm -hmm. so he envisioned creating this program to help people in recovery 
to start building their work ethics, to start building their, you know, skills, to, um, to, to build their resume, to be able to, to, they pay for different certifications. They're actually getting ready to do the group that the people that have signed up, they're going to put them through peer support training and pay for that. Uh, I just did CPR class last Monday. They paid for that. I mean, they paid for a girl to uh, her semester at ACC, you know, because she couldn't get all the funding through the tribe. So they paid for that. And I mean, just getting our name, getting us back into society to be able to, um, because that that's just huge. Being productive, me being able to get up, I mean, building those work habits, you know, like getting up on time. Did I get up on time when I was, you know, um, before I retired from no. selling truck? No, I got up whenever I wanted to. You didn't go to bed half the time when you talked. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to bed before you get up. Now it. we're getting raw. <laughs> so I want to talk about this boss guy a minute. Um, you know, we do things to recognize uh, our allies. Uh, you know, we have uh, host recovery rallies, hashtag Cherokee recovery rally. Uh, hashtag Western Regional Recovery Rally, the largest recovery event in the state of North Carolina, uh, three years running. This is going to be year four. Um, but one of the things that we do is we provide space for nominations for the Recovery Champion of the Year. And the champion, uh, it's it's twofold. It's the individual like yourself being, or Caleb or Steve over there, Recovery Champions. Uh, and so we, we honor those folks that have been in recovery and done a great job or really been outspoken in the recovery movement as a recovery champion. We provide those nominations for people nominate we, we vote boom they win um but we also do it for the ally and so uh both awards whether you're an individual in recovery or an ally say recovery champion of the re- of the year which is not rear <laughs> well edit that out please uh recovery champion of the year and and, and 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 so whether you're an ally or an individual you get to be the recovery champion so this guy needs to be nominated okay you know, so, oh, seriously straight up, we need to uh, recognize our allies because they're Definitely. the loudest voice when we think about even all the numbers of those of us that are in sustained recovery and we are many we are so much bigger and badder than legion we are many we are deep there are a lot of us but we're still the minority the majority are folks who have not yet been honest and admitted that they're in recovery from something too so we're not going to hate them. We need them as allies, we right? Wel- we welcome them. We welcome them, yes. But the allies are, are, are the biggest voice out there. They're just the voice that's not at the table yet. Number one reason why people don't show up is they're not invited. So I just want to encourage you to continue to recognize this guy for being a recovery ally and a recovery champion. Um, that touches my heart because I see what a difference it's made in your life. And as you're talking, I don't know if you recognize, if anybody else did, but you sat up straighter. Your smile got yeah. bigger. Your words got stronger because you begin to talk about something that was really important to you that provides you meaning and purpose, your employment. And so, shout out, dude. I forgot your name, but... Curtis you, Wildcat. Curtis Wildcat, bro. You the man. Wildcat, Wildcat, rocking it out. Hashtag Wildcat Curtis. Dude, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's the program is... Yeah, it sounds me. like that program was like very influential in where you're at today saved yeah. a lot still of lives, lives right yeah. still is. yeah it, it saved still a lot is. of lives it has. so it's, what is what is the program done for you like what was your role in that program as you entered it to this point today like what did you do on a daily basis what were your well when i started it was the summertime so mm-hmm. we were working in a garden sweating crying no <laughs> <laughs> get sunburnt no <laughs> Well, I was, you, I, yeah. I was the only Keep one that got sunburned. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we uh, grew a garden. 
and how many people you know <laughs> that's been in substance use could say that you know and now i'm out there growing a garden the uh, vegetables we got yeah. from it we took to like the solid care center uh solid manor gave them to the elders um when it got colder we've uh done a lot of outside labor work we've cleaned a lot of elders homes brush sites i mean clear a lot of brush out um we built the overhang on on somebody's porch um we've the recovery rally we were were a huge part of that taro donated so much money to that and we made cornhole boards that we gave away uh raffled off we made those uh we Bought all the materials and actually made them. Power saws. Did you grow the stuff that, you grow in your garden? Do you give it away and like for people to eat? Because last time yeah. I grew a garden, they called it manufacturing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and we actually got to take it home too, and then it had big boxes full of it. <laughs> Manu- manufacturing veggies now. That's beautiful. <laughs> so you're working through this program. They're putting you to work. You're forming a recovery support and community around yourself and then the recovery line shows up bam let me hear you here we go you got to have a roar baby come on <laughs> we're a... gonna work on that after the show oh, that's Courtney right, that's can right. Courtney can get ready for Courtney it. can put a roar in there for can you do that, Courtney? <laughs> okay we're gonna work on it after the show and the next show it's gonna be the real okay roar. The real McCoy. The real McCoy. The real McCoy. <laughs> oh that's a good one <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down there line. I sent some aversion to the topic. <laughs> no, uh-uh. yeah, uh, yeah. Then pranced along the recovery line. Pranced so along. two people Aww. in long-term recovery working towards the same mm. message, form an alliance, mm-hmm. right? Come on, yeah. Allegiance, um, baby. I seen a lot of what. Caleb was doing in the community and I've always been you know anyone that's coming into recovery or you know trying to find their way I've always been a someone to support them and I did a uh, voice I mean we knew each other beforehand sure. but not to the extent of what it is now oh. <laughs> I mean jump in anytime ah. go ahead you got it you're doing a good job. What does your side of the story look like? Hmm. My side of the story. You didn't think I could just come up in here and sit down at this table and us not talk about this, Oh, right? we got to talk about this, bro. And I've got to go home, bro. You know how late I am? Yeah. That 4 foot 11 and a half going to get me, bro. Our, and I'm staying for this. Our one-hour show just turned into a two-hour show. So. My, my side of the story is um, I hadn't found my equal in life. And I think that's until you find your equal, uh, you know you're gonna keep searching. And I actually I wasn't even really searching when she come along, you know. It's uh, I was kind of staying, staying to myself, you know, and uh, just doing the things I, you know, the next right thing in my recovery and trying to uh, inspire those who hadn't found recovery yet. And 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 uh, Caitlin. She brings uh she's a huge asset and she makes me be a better person day in and day out and that's why I love her. Um she pushes me to be a better me every day. We make a pretty good team. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we uh pork chop. 
<laughs> and, and I just think hashtag <laughs> hashtag pork chop. He should not have said that. To, told us that. <laughs> and so I just think it's like so so amazing that like you could go from that car accident, mm. holding your leg together, trying to drive to Georgia to some damn hospital. <laughs> Glad you didn't have any super glue. And She's now, like, this is all I need. Duct tape. And now you're now you guys are together in more ways than one and doing things like running five Ks together. It's supporting each other's recovery and like doing all these things that like physically couldn't have been done years ago. Definitely. Right? Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, um, he does, he inspires me. Uh, he there for a long time. I said, I couldn't run though. I, and, and, and having that balance in your life is really important. You know, not just the emotional, mental, not just that, but having that physical balance. And at the time, I was like, no, what are you talking about exercising? <laughs> That's not me. I can't even run. And, you know, the more I seen him doing his thing and, um, you know, I, we'd go on hikes. We tried to get groups together. Well, we did, not tried. We had groups together. We'd go on hikes. And the more and more I got active, he finally was like, just, just try it. What have you got to lose? If it starts hurting too bad, stop. And I was like, okay, you're right. So I got on the treadmill, and you know, I was like, called him later, and I was like, guess what I did today? <laughs> I ran a mile, <laughs> and I was too excited about that. And you know, a mile turned into a mile and a half, to two miles, to three, and then he was like, just double it, try six miles, and I was. <laughs> now she's gonna be doing a half a marathon here soon. Oh so. my, that you know what. That yeah. is such a great story because it, 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 it's inspiring to others. You got the broken leg, you got the car wreck, and you got that. But how many times in life do we limit ourselves by telling ourselves we can't? Yeah. Whether you can we say, just not get rid of that word? Can we just say, can the can't? And if you're going to use it, at least be honest and say what's true, which is I'm not willing to try mm -hmm. or I don't That's want right. to. Is those not the true words? Whether you say you can or can't do something, you're usually right. Oh, yeah. That sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one, Caleb. You're stealing all your slug lines. Right? Oh, no, 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 no. It's free. It's a free gift. Because let me tell you something. Any, anything these two are out there in the community uh, pushing and supporting, I'm backing it up. I already okay. told them. Any, anywhere you see Richie Tannerhill, you're automatically invited. You're automatically on the team. Same goes for you, Robin, Courtney no. over there. You don't have to be invited. You just come. You see me show up, you're like, oh, bro, they'll let Richie in there. Anyone's invited. <laughs> so just know you're on the team. Don't wait for your special invitation. Um, because, look, I know that we're like-minded. And in all the rooms that I go in, the different things that I get the opportunity to do, like I carry you with me. You all become a part of my recovery. Yeah. So by si sitting here tonight and listening to your story, it's like I can't sit still anyway. But it's like I, it's a miracle that I'm still right here in this chair, y'all. I'm just saying. <laughs> because after hearing a story like that, it's like I want to go. I want to go conquer the world. Can we not just go do that before midnight? Run. Let's do it. Go run a little bit, Richie. Well, we can, Courtney, can we do that? Run, She's run, the boss. Run, I'm, I'm, I'm learning my role really quick. Run around this campus. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue. You're kind of talking about your recovery, and I think I'll start to wrap it up with this last question, is that what does define Caitlin Ledford's recovery? What does it consist of? What does it look like? What is your routine? What do you do on a daily basis to sustain support continue to grow um what's the foundation that you build the rest of it on all of it okay um i pray every morning i um 
I have a very close relationship with God. Um, when I first came into recovery, it wasn't so much like that. But now I know that I, through God's will, I'm, I can do anything. Um, I go to my classes. I go to work. I work hard. I put in the work and the effort. I've been doing that to get to where I'm at today. Before I really go into this, I just want to say real quick to that a very life-changing moment for me in my recovery has been when I met this man right here, Richie Tanner Hill. When I did my training, the 40-hour training for the peer support, it was the worst week of my life, but oh, the gee, best thanks. week of my life. I was oh, so yes. sick. I was, I was so sick. Oh. You know, you brought the. This was like The Walking Dead, man. I had to bring in gas. I mean, masks. It's like I'm passing out mask emergency, and I'm like, "Give me three feet. I'm a hugger, but you better back up." But I, okay, let me I, let me just say. So I get a text message from Caleb. It's a picture of two um, uh, applications, applications for the peer support. support. <laughs> one said Caleb at the top, and the other one said Caitlin. <laughs> and I was like, "Awesome, okay." <laughs> Well, let's do it. What have I got to lose? You know, if if I if I didn't do anything with the certificate, then I have that. You know, I learn. I I anything that I do, I can learn from it. Yeah. So I was like, I mean, of course, I want to do it. He went out of his way to get us in the class because the class was full, and he still let me and Caleb in there. Shh. And. Oh, supposed to keep supposed it on the DL. Oh well, <laughs> it's okay. You know what? We fight for those that fight for themselves, and, and I'm here to stand tall and stand behind that because uh, you know I didn't do that work. You did the work. You submitted the applications. Uh, you guys and, and gal went through the same process that everybody else did. It's just that every now and then you feel a connection to those that want it most. And, and you two showed up and you stood up and you showed up through the midst of a week that was very trying and challenging. And so it's like it's not like you you skipped anybody. It's not like you, you went and, and, and done anything less than anybody else done. You fought for what you wanted. Let me tell you something. I honor that. When I see those that want something, that are going to go get it. And, I, and, and it's not like, you know, because I made Caleb jump through some hoops. He did those things. And then I fought for you, and some people, you know, dropped out, and we made sure that you got in there because I fight for those that fight for it. And I knew that beyond that week that our lives had crossed paths for a reason. So now tell us about what happened once you uh, got in. Oh, it was amazing. I learned so much. Um, the first day, I, I really didn't know how to take Richie. I was like, <laughs> I, I'd even have people warn me. They're like, oh, when you meet him, he's going to be right there in your face. And he was. But it was good. It was, it was amazing. I met some very uh, people that I'm still, you know, I'm friends with on Facebook. We still talk. And, I mean, we had an amazing week. Uh, I, I did. I was deathly ill, and I got everybody else sick. Sorry. I still it. feel horrible. But, yes, this was something that I wasn't going to let pass up. I was like, there's no way I'm missing this. So give me some medicine, and let's go. And um, we learned we learned a lot. I, that's where I learned to be that, that person to, to, to put my hand out. To say here, let me let me help you, you know, to show that compassion, to to let somebody else know that hey, I believe in you because I I didn't hear that enough from from people that I felt like knew what was what I was going through. Sure. 
and just that love and that compassion just taking that little that time out that small window of opportunity and saying you know i i understand and i believe in you can ultimately you know get the wheels turning and to to be able to make a difference like that in somebody's life that to me is fulfill that's fulfilling that's that's my recovery that's what i that's what i do that's what i'm i'm that's why i'm doing the things that i'm doing it's just we only get to keep what we have by giving it away that's right i i want to say uh, you know richie i went in there thinking (laughs) i was set them all you know had my way set as far as the uh stigma related you know the whole addict <sighs> that's a, this is a whole other conversation <laughs> that's gonna have to it's happen no, no, but I, I just want to i just wanted to say to reach you th- i i thank you buddy um you opened my eyes to uh you know what it takes to to help change the world and um i love you for that man you you're a true blessing and if we had more more Richie Tanner Hills in the world, this this would be a lot better place to live in. And I appreciate you for all that you do, and and uh, you know just the work that you put into making this a better place to live. And I love you, buddy. Well, listen, I love you too. And, and the world um, has one Richie Tanner Hill, and, and I don't know if it's standing anymore, but let me tell you what it's got. Uh, it's got it's got my man Steve. It's got Caleb's. It's got Caitlin. It's got Courtney's. It's got a team of recovery warrior ninjas that have our own particular addition and mark to make on this world. And you know what? What I learned um, uh, uh, in, through my journey is that when we give things away, when we give our love away, if it's truly love, we have no expectation on return on investment. And so when I give you whatever I have, it's a free gift. It's that gift of love because I love you and I can say that and I love you and you and you and I love you. Eventually, see, I knew I was going to get a smile, <laughs> face a smile. or not. I'm going to keep working on you. I'm not giving up on you. She has game face when we're in the studio, bro. Yeah, game she, face so she's not studio. playing around. She's like, get back to the point, bro, before I whip you. And I'm like, I believe that she <laughs> yeah. would do that. So I'm sitting still. Let me, let me, let me, let me go right back here. Um, those words of wisdom, the, the compliments that you give me, um, I've received them humbly. Um, and I want you to know that you become my part of my story. You're my recovery. You make me stronger. So those days when I'm out there struggling and those bad five minutes come, they're coming. It's not like I've reached some pinnacle and life's like fixed now. Even though part of my recovery is faith-based, God makes me do the work, man. And yeah. it's the, it's, I call that recovery. It's every day. So, and I to- shared this with you on peer support training, that I get to um, sit back and at times, draw from you. So e- even though I may not be on face hooked as much as I would like to, because time is limited, um, you know, when you're telling me to pray for you because you got a 51.4 mile run coming up, you hear what I'm saying? I'm teachable, 0.4, you feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I'm praying for you, bro. And uh, it, it, it don't take that much work because it's easy to pray for people because what I see when I look at you and you is I see David. David was a man, and in your case, whoa, man, after God's own heart. You know, and so um, ditto back to you. And Steve, you know, what you're doing here with the, with, the, with the podcast and the work that you're doing out there in the community, what you do is show up, man. You know, and I think the platform that you're on and that you're bringing other people to 
is, um, you know, there are many members of the body, and, and every body part has equal value, you know. And, and so, though some of us are mouths, some are noses, some are diggers and grinders, some are editors and IT people, uh, and, and some of them are the naysayers. And those are the ones that I love the most. I love them when they come into training, set in their ways. <laughs> <laughs> and then they say, you'll never change me, brother. And I'm like, good, because I'm not trying to. And then one bright Thursday afternoon, they say, I'm man enough to admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> not that it was about right or wrong. Dude, I'm but, totally, you know, I love totally covering this. Coming back episode. at you. <laughs> we are totally covering this. So there's more to the story. There's That's what I hear you saying. There has to be more yes. to the story. Like, so we are running out of time, but I do want to kind of end it on a moment that you guys shared this weekend on the beach. What happened? It's turn the lights off. I was. Uh, How did it start? How did it finish? I was dehydrated. Well, dehydrated from what? What were you doing? I was doing a Badwater Cape Fear 51.4 mile run. Um, 51.4 mile run on the beach. Yeah, the Badwater races are known to be some of the toughest in the world. And uh, by the grace of God and, and, and his strength, I, obviously I got to give him something to work with. But once I'd done that and had that faith, um, he blessed me. I was coming down the beach and I was, I was, I was done, man. I, I was done. I was ready to just hit my knees and quit. And, uh, I, I always wore my mustard seed necklace and I, I said a little prayer. I said, Lord, I don't know how you're going to get me through this, but please send me, send me some strength. And five, five minutes later, um, the amazing Caitlin come down the beach, wind blowing, Hair blowing in the wind, you know, looking beautiful. And I said, there it is. There's my angel. She's going to help me get through this. And uh, I, I walked up to her and gave her a big hug. I was I was, I was, so tired I couldn't even cry. And uh, she's like, come on, baby, you got this. You know, you, you've made it this far. You're not going to quit, you know. And and she, uh, she walked out five miles to find me, and then we jogged back. Jog back together. Jog back together to wow. finish the race. High tide, soft sand, f- feet soaking wet, sand in her shoes. I she fail. never, yeah, she <laughs> never complained. Sad. Well, how how could she complain? I just put forty six miles in. So, what was she <laughs> <laughs> so and I, I think that's why we, you know we we're, we're equally yoked. Um, she pushes me to be better, and I push her to be better, and that's what it's about. That's how we make an impact. You know, wow. keep keep pushing. Keep pushing that hope, not dope. I just know <laughs> how much he supports me and pushes me. So I know that I, you know, I, I offer the same things. And I know that if I was out there, he would do the same. Mm. He ain't going to let me quit. And he told his medals before we left out that he was bringing them a belt buckle back home. <laughs> what do I got sitting on this table right here? That belt buckle. Bam, baby. I took it to work, too. Actually... <laughs> He thinks he got a belt buckle, you but got a really, I just want to give it, you know, I, I congratulate Caitlin on her first uh, public speaking engagement. She's going to be uh, speaking at the groundbreaking ceremony at the uh, Women's trans- Transitional Living Home in Cherokee on Wednesday. So I'm proud of her for that. I want to be there supporting her 100% the way she does me. And, you know, I know she's going to make an impact. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Caitlin. Did Thank we, you did for we having li- me. Did we live up to the hype? 
Oh, yeah. Every time. I love you guys. What are you talking about? You, you guys a, are did amazing. You a, <laughs> did you have a good time? Yes. Uh, awesome. Every time. Well I, well, I do really appreciate you being on. So we're going to close the show out. We appreciate everybody tuning in. The NC Raw family wants to hear from you. We want to recognize you for your success in recovery. If any of our listeners are celebrating anniversaries in the month of March or April, please reach out, message us, message Caleb, message Richie, message Courtney, send us an email through our web, through our website. We want to recognize you and celebrate with you on air on our show. And I just got to say, because I'll be amiss if I didn't, maybe you're out there and you're listening to this. Maybe it's the first time or the fourth time. And maybe you're sitting there and you're, and you're young Caitlin who, um, who hasn't yet found recovery like before today. Maybe you're sitting there and you're hurting and you're young Caleb or, or uh, 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 Steve or, you know, or Richie. And, and you're struggling today and you're all alone and you're like, man, I need something. I need some of that recovery. I want to be like Caitlin. I want to I want to be that recovery rock star that she is. But you don't know where to go. You don't know where to turn to. Can I tell you that you're not alone? Can I tell you that you're amazing, that you're valuable? And hear me now. one 800 You've already got that memorized. You don't have to relearn that. You're brilliant. 1-800-849-6127. When you call that number, that number is 24-7-365. You're going to get a real live voice. You're going to get a voice of someone who cares. That is Via Health's access to um, Caroline. And I'll tell you, even though uh, my last day there will be next Monday, I'm still partial to that line. I'm partial to that line because I know that you're going to get a voice a real live voice of someone that cares. So hear me now. If you're out there and you're struggling, you're not alone. You never have to be alone. You reach out, you can, you get connected. At some point, no matter how many supports in your life, it has to be you that reach out and says, I believe in me. It's nice to have those jailers or those guards or those family members say you're amazing, you're valuable, they believe in you. But let me tell you something. You are worth believing and you're worth fighting for. And It's my prayer tonight that you'll be your biggest champion. You reach out. one 800 849-6127. Thanks for tuning in to NC Raw. We'll see you in two weeks.